Fingers with Robots, the podcast for news and views on robotics. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Robots Podcast. Today's episode is about robotic fingers, something that mobile phone companies such as Apple and Samsung have been after for a while to perform lifelike tests on their phones. Other potential applications for such fingers include electronic circuit board assembly and screwing bottle caps onto bottles. Our interviewer, Abata DeMay, spoke to Edwards Neff, founder of SMAC Corporation, one of the world leaders in moving call technology. And they discussed how SMAC was able to develop linear actuators compact enough to be used to actuate robotic fingers that can be used to simulate a button press on a screen, as well as carrying out other tasks. Hello and welcome to the Robots Podcast. Could you please introduce yourself? Okay, my name's Ed Neff. Company is SMAC. We're in Carlsbad, California, and we make uh, all sorts of, of linear motor-based actuators. And we've just uh, developed, and we'll, we're going to start selling in November. There, um, some very interesting robot fingers. All right. Could you tell me a little bit more about the actuators you're developing? Okay. Well, start off. Well, we make devices that are based on moving coils. They're servo-linear motors, and they can do all sorts of uh, interesting things. We can bump into surfaces, and we can push, and we can pull, and we can uh, tell what happened, uh, report back what happened when we did that. Um, and they're used by all sorts of companies. Apple's a good customer. We sell a lot to Samsung. Uh, we sell a lot to the car guys. Um, and they, so they do, they do work that um, people would do with their hands, but they can report back things. Um, and we've had a, some push from different customers to, do, to go beyond the, the linear motors that we make that have steel shafts and things and develop, the, develop uh, robotic fingers and then a hand that can actually completely duplicate what humans do. And can you tell me how your actuators differ from some of the other actuators on the market? It's a lot better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, ours are moving coil. We can, again... Um, most actuators that are that are around, they can, you can program position, uh, velocity, right? You can have, and uh, but we can do beyond things beyond that. We can kind of sense position or are bumping into things, and we can program forces down to very 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 light forces, which are very useful. For example, if you're putting together electronic uh, circuit boards where you've got all sorts of different. Uh, uh, size chips. We're going to push one with this one, this force, one with another. Um, we can put on. Uh, we're putting on caps on bottles. Well, we'll we'll take the cap, bump into the bottle top, reverse counterclockwise. The cap will move up about a hundred micron. Threads will match, which is what they want, so you don't cross thread. And then when it, when they match, it'll drop down about hundred microns, and we know that. And then we'll screw it down, and we'll count how many turns, and we'll make sure we went down to the bottom surface and then we'll snug it if you know what that is we'll snug the cap 
set of datum and then apply torque and verify that we went the right distance, which would, which says the cap t uh, is tight. So we do all this, we do work, we do it really fast or you know, very precisely, down to 50 nanometer, but we also know what we did, and that's unique. Nobody else does that. Mm -hmm. okay. And how exactly, what type of sensors are you using to, um, to detect when you bump into objects or how much you're moving exactly? We make our own encoders. It's not, they're basically, you know, they're, they're optical encoders. And then you're sensing current and um, uh, position and changes in velocity and these kind of things, right? But the, the harder, the harder the, are the encoders. We make um, the smallest encoders around. Uh, some of them are three millimeters thick. We make rotary encoders that are 10, millim 10 millimeter diameter, 40,000 counts. So it's really precise, small stuff. Make it ourselves because nobody else makes, they don't make things small enough for us. Um, and with our devices, we're trying to get, and we're getting close now to um, the prices of pneumatic cylinders. And I grew up in pneumatics, and one of my points of my company is is to destroy the pneumatic cylinder market. I got to be cheap to do that. <laughs> yes, and, and what industries are using the pneumatic uh, cylinders the most? Oh, uh, packaging is a big one. So we start. We we got cheap enough a couple years ago to go into packaging. And in packaging, you have to, you, you know, you, you might be cycling at 2,000 cycles a minute, uh, which pneumatics can only get to 1,000. Um, you're filling, we just got one where we're, uh, for a very big company, where they're filling um, bottles full of um, detergent, and the pneumatic repeats plus or minus 15 milliseconds shot to shot, and we're plus or minus maybe a half a millisecond. So we don't overfill. We're, we fill exactly, which is also good for blood Squirting these kind of things. So pneumatics is big. I mean, I mean packaging is big. Automotive is good. Electronic is good. Semiconductor is good. Biotech is, um, and I'm involved in biotech, so biotech really, is a really good place for us because you're doing really precise moves and, you know, uh, putting, dispensing really, really fine amounts of material, et cetera. Can you tell us what type of applications that you are going to apply your actuators for? Uh, the finger or the actuators? Uh, the actuators and uh, the fingers okay, and like, the application maybe, of them, maybe? Maybe I'll segue into that, okay? So um, right now, um, most, of, right, most of the testing done on this thing is done by us, um, and a lot of the assembly on this one, or Chris Amson's or anybody else's, is done by us. And what is this thing you're talking about? Uh, oh, that's it, an iPhone, right, or the Samsung phone. Uh, we just finished finished doing the lens assembly for them. That was being done pneumatically. I don't know, this is this is a seven. Ah, this is high. <laughs> no, okay. That goes my customer. Uh, no, so, it's a, so there's a lens assembly for the Samsung. It's got six parts. They were putting it together. And they were getting thirty percent scrap. So they, they switched to us. And what we do, we'll pick up the first part and we'll put it in the nest, soft land, record where it stopped, where it landed, within a micron. Pick up the second part, it's a press fit in the first, you land on the, on the first part, and then we'll apply the precise force they want and move it to the exact position and tell them, hey, we, we got there. So that was a good assembly. And you do, do that through all the six, and they're, uh, now I have 2% scrap, which is because of bad parts. And, and can you, can you uh, define scraps for us? Scrap is uh, they screwed up in the assembly and they can't use it. And what is soft land? What? And what is soft oh, land? what is soft land? Well, I think, soft land is what I, I think I already said. Oh, we, that's where we bump into a surface and we recognize the fact that we bump it. 
That's getting to be very soft. We do a lot of uh, electronic pick and place, the best uh, machine in the world. Uh, used to be made by assembly on. They got bought by KNS, but it, that had all the heads, pick and place heads, pick and place robots are ours. Um, and we used to have the, the the rule was you would bump into into the surface at about a, about uh, one newton, which is what um, uh, three ounces, three ounces, right? But the on the we were we have apps in Japan and a couple of the big uh, electronic companies over there, and they're asking for point one. Newton, which is like a third of an ounce. You've got to hit with a third of an ounce. So everything is getting much more precise and more, you know, you have to be really, you really have to have control of what you're doing. So this comes down to having uh, very precise sensors and uh, much improved sensor technology. Well, that, yeah. You've got sensors and uh, you got a, you're manufacturing parts and you're holding two microns on, on diameters to get close fits and um, you have guiding guiding mechanisms that cannot have any friction bumps in it, so it's a it's there's a lot of things going on. All right. All right. And can you describe to us how this robotic hand looks that you guys have developed? Okay, we got a okay, we, we got a finger. We made a finger. Um, and the reason that we that we made the finger is we're getting pushed by uh, lots of companies to to be able to to, to give them devices that act like fingers. So, for example, when you push on with your finger, instead of just a Z-force down, there's a Z-force, and there's a, but also your finger is malleable, right? So there, you also have an XY-force that you, that you exert. So a lot of companies want that. Ford does, Apple does. Uh, there are a lot of places want them. Um, so and we're interested in we're interested in developing finger next to the thumb, whole hands, and actually be so we can completely replace uh, human hands in putting things together, not just testing. First stage is testing. Now, in order to do that, well, first, there haven't been any robotic fingers. If you ever look at robots, mm -hmm. you're missing something, and that's that. They don't have that. They have grippers, pneumatic or electric, right? And the reason that they, they, they don't have that is for your finger, and this is, you can look at, you know, make a look at their own fingers. You know, you have three joints. Yes. Right? You got the you got your your, your middle your, your knuckle out the middle okay that's that's one and that's plus minus forty five so what you can do and you can press with about ten newtons um, at the tip with that from that joint uh, the rear one you have, it also it also goes plus minus forty five but it also goes sideways plus or minus fifteen mm -hmm. so now to get to be able to get to to be able to get a robot finger to do that an ideal way is to use motors little motors. They have to be direct drive. They can't use gears because gears don't aren't aren't. They have no compliance. They can't move around like the finger does. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, you need to have a motor. For example, in the front one, it has to be uh, 25 millimeters or 20 if you're Japanese, because uh, we work we're working with Toyota. They want 20. Uh, it has to be small, but it has to put out 300 millinewton meter at a very low current, like one amp. Mm -hmm. and that doesn't exist. So there's a, so best motor manufacturers, small motor manufacturers in the world. One's a Swiss company, one's a German. I probably shouldn't use their names, um, but motors that are twice as big as they need to be that, that they make uh, put out about twenty percent of the torque required. So I mean, DARPA worked with uh, uh, 
somebody up in the Bay Area to put a, take out a robot hand that thing was as big as my leg. It's, no, no way. So what we decided to do was to try to make a motor that would be small enough that would give, get to and would give us the torque so that we could have a real size finger. And it took us about three years working off and on whenever we had a break. Um, and we've developed a motor, two different sizes, and they put out 300, the 25 puts out 300 millimeter meter, and the 35 millimeter, which is the biggest your rear knuckle, uh, that puts out 700, and those are good enough to be able to duplicate what a human does. Um, and it also gives us motors that are like four or five times more powerful than anybody else makes in the world, and we're going to be selling those next year against those fellows, and that's why I didn't mention their name. All right. So, so we have a we have a finger. It actually it, it operates like a human. Uh, it's much more precise because our encoders allow us to position ten times better than a human, and it's also much more accurate in force because obviously we can program forces, and a human kind of goes, I guess, yeah, that, that's about right, right? So, and and we'll we're we'll start selling those uh, in November. We've got a half a dozen beta sites. Most of the they're very big companies that want these to start out with. And then we moved on to the thumb. And the thumb is like your finger, but it's got a rotary bit to it. So we're busy designing that. And uh, you know, hopefully in about three years, we'll have the whole, the whole handout, maybe about 7500 bucks for that. And uh, then we felt guilty because everybody says, well, then, you know, you're going to take work away from humans. So we figured we had to do something, so we decided that we're going to make a prosthetic version of it, and we just got the first, first patent stuff out on that, which is how to program it, which would be voice command. So you can tell your, little, your hand to go pick up a glass, it'll pick up a glass, or hold a chopsticks, or you know, whatever, right? So it's a lot of fun. Will this be attached to a human body? Yeah. And yeah. how will it be receiving the signals to pick no. up a glass? or the, uh, the Same way your car does, when you, you know, when you, or your... Or your or, you know, when you you can tell your car to uh, close the door or turn on the radio, right? So it's voice command. That's really cheap, right? So so let's say you'd, you'd have a you know a hundred different sub programs sitting in the, in the memory. We make our controllers are about the size of your fingertip, so we make we make controllers and amplifiers that you know, three to six amps DC um, that are really small and they have lots of memory. So you just load up a bunch of programs for whatever the person wants to do, and uh, you know, within reason, they'll be able to do it. And that has assuaged our conscience. Right? <laughs> so um, this is going to be completely voice commanded then? Yeah, that's the idea, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. And um, so are you guys developing the fingers for this uh, prosthetic hand or the entire well, the, the, What we're doing for, for um, automation also is you know, transfers to that. Now, in order for us to – we got to get some um, – we, we're not done with the, with the, with the motors and the fingers. So we're, we're, we've got something that's, that does what um, we want it to do, but it takes about an amp, which means you've got to have a decent power supply. So now what we're working on is we've got developments with carbon nanotube um, to try to do something. You know, you can, with carbon nano, in principle, you can pull five times the current for the same amount of heat. So if we can do that, then our motors jack up again, right? And, yeah and become much lighter, and um, it'd be much better for prosthetics, right? So it's still, it's still tons of work to do. And what and, is carbon nano exactly? Well, you know, that's, you know, carbon nanotubes, those are, you know, the 787, it's got, uh, no, it doesn't have steel, it doesn't have aluminum, really. 
right? Its, it, its structures are carbon nan nanotube-based, right? It's very light but very strong. A carbon nanotube material has another interesting characteristic, and that is it can, it can transfer, kind of sort of, it can transfer five times the current that you can in copper for the same heat rise. So the resistance is, is a much less of a problem in, with this material. And there's, a big, there's a big race around the world for with you know, lots of companies trying to, try to develop uh, wire out of this material. We're not taking that approach. We're taking another approach, which is a lot simpler, we think. But the end result would be the same, and that is you know, my, my motor that's 25 millimeter that puts out 300 million newton meters could become 10 millimeter and do the same, right? And if, with that happening, I mean, if, if carbon nanotube come, becomes a reality, we're all working at it, then, I mean, what happens to, I mean, you need, the, the, energy, the energy required to do things drops by 75%, right? So, you know, oil goes a lot farther or whatever, you, you know, maybe solar will even work, you know, who knows? So, go ahead, what else you got? All right. Um, and earlier you said the, your motors use direct drive. Can you explain what direct drive motors right. are? Yeah, direct, direct drive means you don't have a gear. So if to, to amplify uh, torque, you'll put a gear on a motor, right? And uh, the motor might run 16 times uh, in order to get one revolution out of the gear. So it's a way of amplifying torque, right? Well, but, but it's not flexible. Gear doesn't like to go backwards and forwards, and and um, if you go, if you try to do the wrong thing with the gear, it'll break, and that's why you can't use those in fingers because fingers go all sorts of ways, right? So you have to be direct drive. You can't have a gear, and if you can't have a gear, you lose that force multiplier, and that's why the motors that have been available up to now are too big for to be to be put into robotic fingers and 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 hands. Hence. That's why you haven't had any robot fingers or hands until this November when we start to sell. So direct drive uh, motors, then they have an inbuilt compliance that lets them uh, lets That's them right. deal with uh, unexpected forces. Yeah, you can move. You can like you can take our, our linear motors. If, if before there were linear motors, there were ball screws, which is a you know a rotary servo with a gear. Well, you can't move those things. You know, you can't make it go one way or the other. Um, the uh, the rotary motor has to move and turn it to get the, to get the result right. So these things rotate and then and drive forward and backwards. A linear motor is a direct drive, and you can take a linear motor shaft and move it back and forth. And moves freely. There's nothing. There's there's nothing. There's nothing. The linear motor would normally be sitting on a, on some kind of a guiding mechanism, which is a linear guide, which is free moving. And you just put you're pushing the linear motor piston back and forth on that guide, and you can do anything you want with it. But that's uh, the beauty of direct drive. Direct drive is much faster. Direct drive um, uh, is much more precise because you have no backlash in it. So that's that's the best way uh, to do to move things, except when you have to, if, if you get involved in into relatively high torques or forces. And then you need that multiplier. But with what we've done here, and then you know, in the future, if the carbon nanotech works, um, you don't need that gear. Right? And how much force can these direct drive motors uh, work within? Depends on how much current you want to put in. 
So we, we, do, we use low currents. We only use one amps, two, or two amps, because we don't want our things to burn up. But, um, you know, you can, direct drive motors, will, direct drive motors are moving uh, machine, uh, CNC machine tools now. Right, it used to be ball speed, now it's direct drive. So you can suddenly, you know, these things can do, uh, I don't know, 500 kilos, 1,000 kilos. Our, our biggest ones can only do about 100 kilos. Right? But we're just transferring our motor technology, the ones we developed for the fingers, into our, into our linear motors, and the forces for those are all going up now. So for the, uh, for, the, for the actuators that you've made for the robotic finger, what type of batteries do you need to power those? Well, they're at one amp, right? So you've got to drive one amp. Right, so usually that's a. Right now, that's a power supply. So you know, the, 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 you'll come in with, um, you know, a power supply. What like about the size? It's like you know the power supply that you have on laptops. You know, you get that box. It's something. It's, we, we drive with something like that. It's about that size. Yeah, and uh, what is the voltage? It's using a high voltage. Twenty-four forty-eight. Okay, uh, so currently it's uh, it's it's not battery powered, but it's uh. It's some a, of, some of them, you know, some of, in the real small ones, some of them are. Some of them, are, I mean, we make we make the newest one we're making for uh, a company in Japan is six millimeters thick, right? And so and that one doesn't. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't take much at all? So something like that can be battery powered. Um, you know, you would like it. That's why if if you you know for an artificial hand, um, if you'd like to knock the the, the current draw down to you know, 100, 200 milliamps, then you could, then you could do something with the battery. Right. Otherwise, the guy, the guy will have a big one, and that's not going to, that's not going to be such a court. Not too comfortable, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, how do these actuators compare to actuation in biology? Actuation in biology. Okay. Well, you're going to have to tell me more about that. You mean like muscles? Like muscles, for example. Well, muscles. Are, well, um, it's. Let's take your uh, your your actual your actual fingers. So they have tendons, right? And these things, and they're they're very big. They take a lot of room, right? So, so um, the stuff we have in our fingers are much more compact than biological fingers, right? Because you got all the stuff that goes way down here, right? Um, and like you know, ours are much more robust. They last a lot longer. I played a lot of rugby when I was. Younger and every one of my finger, my tendons and my fingers have been stretched, and so they're really my hand's not very good, right? And you know, like like the robot finger, that that's a, that'll be a billion cycles. I don't know what a, what a human finger can do. Probably maybe a hundred million, something like that, right? But it, but but anything that's got a, a tendon, it's like a belt drive. If you want to compare it to old style electric actuators, old style electric actuators were belt driven, and the belt stretch. And they lose, they lose uh, accuracy, et cetera, and they wear out, right? Well, humans are the same. They wear out, right? Human, human fingers wear out as opposed to ours. You know, they'll last for quite a long while. So how's that? Good. How kind of mean, the, it's kind of uh, neat. I'm scaring you. I'm giving, this, I'm giving a, a speech at Hillsdale College uh, in, in November titled, Here Come the Robots, and Everybody's Afraid of Them, right? So, <laughs> so I'm, working, I'm working on trying to make this scary. How does the dexterity of uh, of your fingers compare to human finger dexterity? Uh, I can uh, we we can uh, ours can position within uh, what half a micron. So what's that? Uh, like twenty millionths of an inch. Mm-hmm. So they're extremely precise, right? Much more precise than humans. 
Um, on the other hand, you know, as we don't, we didn't put a we didn't put a heat sensor in, so you know, we we don't sense heat like a human. We yeah. could if we wanted to, if, if you want to put a heat sensor in, right? Um, what can a human do that? The human brain is pretty good, right? So you know, the it's not the finger; it's the brain. You know, one of the things that we, we we've titled our our project humoresque because I'm a Dvorak clan, and I and we want to play. Um, um, there's a there's a song called humoresque, and we want to play that, right? But that's a lot of programming, and the brain doesn't have to have that, right? So, you know, so that's, there's an advantage for the human there. So are you saying that um, that the actuation for creating robotic fingers is starting to come to a place where it can be used? Yeah. But it is still the uh, intelligence behind being able to move those fingers that is oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. holding back robotics right now. Yeah, yeah. And well, that's, well I mean, the question is how far do you want robotics to go, you know? Um, but, but robotics is, it's, it's really, like I have a Tahoe. I mean, that's a robot. Tahoe is really is amazing compared to five years ago. I mean, you get close to something, your seat's bouncing around, right? And, tell, and you, you can wave at something in the, in the rear the rear window pops open. It's really a robot, right? It's really so it's you know, what you consider robots, right? The, the interesting thing that's going on with, with the brain is that um, a number of places, universities and other places, are inserting um, uh, uh, controller chips into the brain, which, and, and, and they're starting to do wireless uh, control of, of hands. That stuff's going, along, going on. So, you know, that, you know, people talk about bio, bio, you know, I think the way it's going to go with cyborg, you know, I'd love to have a robotic knee so I can get back to a four five forty. Because I got no, I got no cartilage in this guy. I think, I think that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You think uh, prosthetics are going to be more advanced than the humanoid oh, yeah. robot arms? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, you're going to be able to, you know, just think of all the things you're going to be able to do. Right? You know, it's going to be going to be quite interesting. You know, Isaac Asimov was, you know, and Robert Heinlein. You know, they were they. They were about what, fifty years ahead, but it's getting it's, it's speeding up. Yeah, what's going on? It's speeding up really quick. Mm-hmm. And this kind of also goes back to uh, the the complexity of creating a very intelligent uh, system to move these actuators. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, I mean, you were mentioning what you're doing with cameras. You know, we've got we've got one of the systems that was um, that uh, um, was used to make uh, what's the what's what's the movie with the uh, the uh, science fiction movie on the that planet with the, everybody's blue, huh? Avatar. Avatar. So we got you know where you can we're trying where, where you can track your people. People are trying to put th- are putting things together. You track it and then you download it so it's an easy program. But still, that's I mean that's just to do like an assembly operation. I mean to do what you, to do what a human uh, brain can do is uh, I don't know. We'll see. Huh? And how do you view robotic grippers developing uh, in the near future? I think uh, um, depends on what you're going to do. But if you're gonna, if if you're going to be doing what humans humans do, you need the fingers because there's so many things. You know, there's so many movements that robotic grippers can't do. I mean, they just, they just go they open and close. You know, I, um, there's a number of companies. My cousins make those. You know, and I used to work for a, a big pneumatic company in Japan, SMC, and they make all sorts of grippers. But all they do is open and close. They don't have any, no dexterity, so they can't do what humans do. And the only way to get, be able to do what humans do is to be able to get these fingers, right? So the question is, 
you know, when we'll, we'll, be, we'll be coming out, um, I talked to, I gave a, well, one of my guys gave a speech at the Japan Robot Show, and I, you know, I was around, and all the robot guys came over, and I know a lot of them, because I, I, lived, I lived there for seven years, um, and they all came over and they said, how did you make that motor? And I said, I'm not going to tell you. And then they asked my Japanese staff in Japanese, hey, how you make that? how do you make that motor? Well, I speak Japanese, so I said, well, they're not going to tell you either in Japanese, right? But, but the key is, who else can make motors like this? And as soon as, you know, there's ways that, you know, our, we got a bunch of patents, but there's other ways of doing things. So I would say in, I would, I would guess in five, ten years, there'll be a, a number of companies making these things. I'm saying that, but I, um, 15 years ago, I gave a speech that uh, the head of Ford Robotics asked me to give a speech at the robot show in Detroit. And, he, and you know, we had these devices that could, the things we make that could push and pull and report back what happened. And he said, well, I'm not saying whether this is good or not, but in five, ten years, there'll be a bunch of these. No one else has made them. So it hasn't happened yet, right? So I don't know. Hope not. Let's, uh, but anyway, yeah, the, in five, ten years, you're going to see robots with hands. We just, uh, Shenhua University in China, we, well, that's one of the top ones. They want to buy them. They want to put them on their robot. We're, 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 we got a development kind of sort of going with Toyota where they put our finger on the end of a robot and at the end of the line it goes into a Prius and pushes all the buttons because all the buttons in cars don't work, particularly ones on the steering wheel. They stink, right? And so they want a testable, right? And it's not does it work, it's how it feels, you know, because every button, every Mercedes-Benz door handles, Mercedes-Benz doors have a feel to them, right? There's all these all these things that have a certain feel, and we can, and with our devices can, to, you know, kind of sort of feel, no, say, yeah, this has the right feel or not. You know, how much force did it take? Where did it switch? Blah, blah, blah. Right? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much for the predictions, and thank you yeah. for coming on today. Hey, thanks. That's, that's good. Have fun in New York. Excellent. Thank you very much. All right. And that's all for today. But if you haven't had enough yet, just visit us at robohub.org for loads more content about robotics and all our past episodes. We'll be back in two weeks' time. Until then, goodbye. Fingers with Robots, the podcast for news and views on robotics.